What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Face. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we are talking about Margot Adler's Drawing Down the Moon. But first of all, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh my God, season two. Here we are. I'm so excited. It is exciting. Did you do anything fun for New Year? No. Play video games, PS4. I just found out that I can download uh, The Witcher on my Switch. So the rest of my break is ruined. Oh my God. Wait, are you talking about the game? Yeah, so... I've been telling Scorby about the show because I'm obsessed with it, but the show is based on a series of books that were turned into games. Okay, I didn't know they were books. I knew they were games. I downloaded the books. I haven't started reading them yet, and I can can start the game today. When we're done with this, I'm going to start the game. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. All right, you have to tell me if it's good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. More people have started playing it now than when it was first released, so. Probably because of of the the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... Okay, so on my little game, I mean, I play other things, but on my computer, you know, I have Wizard 101. Yes. So they released a new pack. A new pack means you can get, like, gear and, like, pets. Okay. It's the Druid pack. I love it! So and now I have, like, a little Druid hat and, like, a whole, yeah, it's, I'm going insane. I love that. So, yeah, it was good. You know, it's warm here in the lower Hudson Valley. It's that's, weird. That's, I'm not enjoying that. Like, I'm used to Christmas being cold and, you know. Yeah, but I am happy to get back to reading and recording and, and yes. back in the grind of which space yeah absolutely so let's get in it so drawing down the moon written in 1979 um, a little bit about the author she was born on april 16 1946 in little rock arkansas but she was raised in new york in fact she went to one of the um performing high schools but i forgot what it was called when she went it's changed names mm-hmm. but one of the you know music and art i think it was called when okay. she was uh when she went um She's an author, a journalist, and a Wiccan. She went to Columbia for graduate school for journalism, and then she was a fellow at Harvard. So wow. not too bad. <laughs> That's a smart lady. She joined NPR in 1979. I didn't realize she, she worked for long. NPR. Yeah, yeah. I love her. Yeah. No, she's awesome. <laughs> and um, And then we can get into the book. The first thing I want to say about the book, I feel like this book is everything that Margaret Murray's book was not. It's everything I wanted Yeah. when we were reading Margaret Murray. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a really nice full circle to have started there and then be like, oh, well, actually. And a year later. Here's the better version. Yeah. And But I think it's because she's a journalist. I agree. So it's, you know, it's okay to be Wiccan and say I'm going to write a book about Wicca. It's one thing to say, okay, I'm Wiccan, but... Um, also this really, I can think about this in a different way, very clear cut, journalistic point of view. And let me get this information so that anybody, whether you're Wiccan or not, you can read this and get a better understanding of what's going on. And you do get a better understanding for sure. Definitely. The first thing is when we first sat down, Gemini and I both, Gemini and I both said, Hey, we love this book. Yeah. At the same time though, this is not something we recommend unless you already are practicing, I think. I agree. I think that. I feel There's like- so much information that's given to you yeah. that it can become confusing or muddled as far as like, okay, well, what am I doing? Yeah. What is my practice? How do I do these things? I feel either this is for your friend who wants to know about Wicca or it's about, it's for you if you already have a practice, whether you're Wiccan or not. Once you've already chosen. I agree. Because, yeah, I think that it would get confusing. And, um, but anyway, let's, let's jump in. So-, so where did we start reading for the listeners? Well, I started from the beginning. But what we're going to talk about today, primarily the section. The section titled. Witches? Witches. 
And we wanted to focus on that section primarily because I think it has the most relevant information to the podcast. Yes. Definitely the rest of the book is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I cannot stress enough how much I loved it. There's lots of citations. But as far as for the podcast to make sure we don't talk for five hours, we're going to be focusing on witches. Yeah. I, I did want to mention a couple things from the beginning. Definitely. Okay. Um, there's a thing in the beginning where she talks about what is magic. Yes. Okay. And what I love is, and this is emphasized throughout the book, magic is not about supernatural. Yes. It involves understanding of psychology and environment. And the example she gave was, I forgot who it was, needed to catch fish. She went somewhere, they needed to fish, Mm -hmm. and they were having a terrible time. They could not catch the fish. So the spell was... To imagine yourself, you are a bear and you need to survive. So you're no longer a person. You need to fish Mm -hmm. for whatever else. They weren't fishing to eat. It was to fish to do something else with the fish. So imagine that you are a bear and you need to survive. So you need to catch fish. She said the whole group did this um, and they started catching tons and tons of fish. So is that magic? And she says, no, it's not magic. It's about conditioning your mind. This is what I need. How can I do this? Putting yourself in the position that you need to be. And I think that whether you're a witch or not, you can do that with your mind. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So so I like that example because there have been questions about the magic, the science of magic or, you know. um, Alistair Crowley said, magic is the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with will. So it's really not supernatural. And we're going to get to that when we get to the witch part. Yeah. But I think... It's really important that she says that right off the bat, especially if you're somebody who's reading this and you don't want to be Wiccan or you think magic is a bunch of crap, Mm -hmm. right? You're reading this with the understanding that even witches are saying, okay, there's nothing supernatural about magic. Yeah. You know? Um, Anyway, we'll keep talking about it. It's super and it's natural, but it's not supernatural. Right. I automatically was obsessed with the first chapter of Witches. Where she talks about the Wiccan revival. Yes. Because the first thing that she really does is discuss the idea of, like, what is a witch? hmm And she talks about this guy, Bonewits. Yes. <laughs> Bonewits classifications. But I really, like, in reading it, I was like, I agree with this idea that a witch is a person who practices magic. Because for me, I think that's the most inclusive definition of a witch. But it was really cool for her to automatically come out of the gate and be like, there are lots of different definitions and they're going to fit different people in different ways. Yes. Um, There is one thing, though. She interviewed a bunch of people. And one of the things that I saw from the quotes is that a witch is somebody who practices magic, but every single witch said the same thing when it comes to the religious aspect. In other words... They didn't say you have to have a goddess and a god and you have to be Wiccan and you have to do all these things. But everybody did say Mother Earth. There was no Judeo-Christian god at the head of the beliefs beliefs of these witches. A lot of the people she interviewed, though, are like specifically the chapter is called the Wiccan Revival. So like when you talk about Bonewitz's classical witch, the idea of the classical witch is like a cunning folk Right. A, a folk not, tradition. But not somebody who has a monotheistic belief of God. Well, h- how do we want to do this? Do we want to tackle that first and then yeah, come back? Okay, yeah. because 
she does discuss the school of Wicca, which I think is in a later chapter. It might yeah, be in chapter I'm five. I'm interested in Wicca at this point. Um, but the school of Wicca is a monotheistic Wiccan tradition. Oh, yeah, but they're a bunch of weirdos. I'm just saying, they exist. They um, do exist, but that's not what I'm referring to. They right? also discuss the idea that the classical witch often becomes a folk practice that is incorporated into, um, they use like the term Christian veneer. So the folk practices become later a part of like a Jew, let's not do this, a Christian practice. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to, the Jewish people have their own magic that I'm not going to deal with for this, but a, they become I'm part of a Christian practice. Yeah. yeah, I know, but we've talked about how much I hate that. Yeah. That was a very 1985 thing for her to write. Well, yeah, but I'm just following what she said. I know. Um, so I think that, you know, yes, the the interviews that she has definitely validate the the Wiccan definition of witch because that's the one she's really striving to define. But she does include enough research in this book that you really can say, what classification of witch am I? Am I a classical witch who's learned my practice from my parents and it might even have some Christian, un- like, overtones? Yeah. Or am I a neo-pagan witch? which is one of the other Bonewitz classifications where I'm practicing in a, a duotheistic or nature-based way that is founded on a religion. Which of these classifications do I fall into? So as we're kind of reading this book and there's this idea of like all of these different witches and the different way the religions are practiced, I, I kind of came to this understanding that it's important to recognize religion as the space between a cognitive dissonance a space between the taking literally of science and the taking literally of religious text. And I think that the way that Margot Adler describes it and the way that I've read about it and the way that we discuss it, Wicca very much lives in that space, right? There's there's so much nuance and there's so much not taking literally of the text, so much of like experiencing the things versus, you know, the Bible says the world is 6,000 years old, so the world is 6,000 years old. Versus the same on the other side, people who say, you know, science is the only thing and any other experiences that you're having are, you know, tricks of the mind. And I think that even the way she describes magic is this combination of, like, psychology and the natural world. Wicca does something unique, and I say Wicca as sort of the foreparent to the rest of the neo-pagan movements, does something unique in that it doesn't ask you to take anything literally. You're right. But I also think some people have. And I think that's the problem we have with the old guard that's still around and the people now. And I think it's fascinating that she was writing about that in the 70s, considering that in the 80s and 90s, there were a lot of problems because people were taking things very literally. You know, this is a very old religion. You know, Gerald Gardner was, you know, initiated into this very old coven. Mm-hmm. And we're going, okay, those are myths. Those, that, that's, those are archetypes. We were trying to come from this idea that maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. You know, and we've said it. Gardner invented the whole thing and we're just going to go with it. And we know where it's come from. We know what he's taken from. But I think that there are some people in Wicca that... And I keep, I always refer to them as the old guard, the people who don't want to let anything new in, people who don't want to accept mm-hmm. other things. Um, and yet, Bonewitz calls the Wiccan myth, he refers to it as the I Wiccan myth. I know, I myth. loved it. And I love this quote, the myth of the Unitarian Universalist white witch cult of Western theo- Theosophical, Theosophical Brittany. And isn't that 
Perfect. That's perfect. That's exactly he what the old guard is defending. just hits it right on the head with that. Yeah. And that's not what it's supposed to be because if we're supposed to be looking at pagans, this idea of what's old, and maybe it's not the caves that Murray said, maybe not every, you know, Neanderthal was a <laughs> pagan, but you got to think that we've had religion for so long. We've mm-hmm. had this idea of what came before us, what are we going to, who created us. At some point, even the Native Americans had something that was similar. You go to, mm-hmm. you know, the Caribbean, there's something similar. You go to the continent of Africa, there's something similar. Similar ideas about how the universe, God created, how we interact with all mm-hmm. living things, that's paganism. Well, and there's also, there's also a quote where she talks about, I don't know what chapter it is, but I remember her saying it, that basically... A lot of the practices that were associated with witchcraft in the heavily air-quoted burning times during Inquisition sort of periods are the same things that are associated with, like, Tibetan monks. They're supposed to be able to fly and go invisible. And, yeah. And so there's, there is a, a connection to the spiritual that is pervasive in global culture. And it's just about the way that it's interpreted and... And I think that that's kind of the idea that is supposed to be central to Wicca. Like, she talks about the the Murrayite controversy. Mm-hmm. The idea of, like, well, the burning times are bullshit. You know, maybe 500,000 people were maybe yeah. imprisoned and hurt, but it wasn't a million people, like Murray was saying. Right. Maybe it wasn't, you know, everybody has the same exact religious practice throughout the at least Europe for Murray that they all worship Diana but maybe it was there were these overlapping practices from interacting with each other from just interacting with nature that are similar and that can be seen maybe even anthropologically through cultures but aren't this unitarian universal white witch cult right and the fact that for such a long time nothing else was admitted yeah. You know, you could not bring anything else in. People would tell you, that's not Wiccan. Well, says who? Because Gerald Gardner? What did Gerald Gardner know? You know, um, I'm not saying he didn't know anything. I'm just saying, what does he know about not including other things? And so much of what they did at that time was Mish-washing. with fragments. Yeah. They took pieces. Yeah. And so there's, oh, there's a really good quote. I don't know where it is. But basically saying... Taking a fragment and just putting it... Oh, this is an Italian witch who said this. She doesn't just take her mother's witchcraft and just do it the way her mother told her. Because her mother got it as a fragment from her grandmother. And and even if it's all the way back, it's still fragments. So you don't just put it on a chain and call it a day. You sit with it. You understand it. You make it your own. And I, I think that that is what paganism has and is becoming. And I think that that's wonderful. I think the more we live in the space where religion is not a literal interpretation of the world, the better the world is. Whether it is Christians not taking the Bible literally, whether it is atheists not taking science literally, whether it's Wiccans not taking Wicca literally. Right. I think it helps us relate to each other, and I think it helps us to understand the parables that whatever religion we practice is trying to instill. Yeah. She's got a quote from Bonewitz um, where she talks about family traditions. Yes. And she says, um, many families hid their paganism 
and became Freemasons in the 18th century and spiritualists in the 19th century. And it, it made me laugh when I when I read that because I thought, oh, my family, mm-hmm. right? Um, where else did they have to hide? I also think about if you go back, um, how Spain was really purged of anybody who was Jewish or anything yeah. else um, a long, long time ago. So where do those traditions just die, whatever it is that you had, where you came from? Um, and how do they change? She uh, she also mentions that Bonewood said that about a lot of people who are raised with some sort of ideas, mm-hmm. call them ideas, traditions, and then they read a book and they go, oh, my God, I've been a witch. Mm-hmm. And that's what I said when I read the Ferrars. Yeah. My mother wouldn't use that term. Um, I know my grandmother used the term. Mm-hmm. Um, but bruja means something else. It really yeah. means more than, you know, it does not Absolutely. mean Wiccan at all. So, you know, it's kind of interesting because did people's traditions then end because they started adopting Wicca mm-hmm. or something else? In other words, did they start conforming to Wicca um, instead of just letting these traditions grow? It's kind of hard to pinpoint where these traditions started. And he talks about the overlap between like a family tradition and an immigrant tradition. Because a lot of the family traditions ended up becoming immigrant traditions, right. especially in America. Yeah. Like a lot of um, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Dutch, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania Dutch tradition comes from Germany. Midwestern tradition, a lot of it is also from Germany or mm-hmm. from England. You've got the Caribbean, which is full of Spanish tradition. There's also, you know, combining with Native American influences. You get, I, I think family tradition is the thing that we see the most change in over time. And it's kind of sad that there's not more room to learn about it, I guess. that it, Because Wicca is sort of the face of the neo-pagan movement, mm. you get sort of the, the Wicca-flavored versions of things. Well, I think that's what I was trying to say. The yeah. idea that you have your tradition, but then you go, oh, okay, so I'm a witch. Oh, so I must be Wiccan. Oh, let me read more Wiccan books. Mm-hmm. And then you become Wiccan. And then whatever it is you would have gone in your own path maybe gets left behind because now you're doing it, like you said, a different way. Now yeah. you're doing it a Wiccan way. It's flavored with Wicca. I think that was definitely... Like Sasson. <laughs> Only instead of putting it on your rice, you're putting it on your your religious practice. <laughs> Wicca. Love that. Now with achote. All I know yeah, is adobo. That, that's uh, that's Sasson. Sometimes comes with achote. I, right. Sorry, I'm white. Yeah. Um, we don't season our food. That's like, that's our big stereotype. Um, yeah, it's, God, it's a good book. I liked the, while, while people were just talking shit, people were doing it. So this idea of like, what the revisionist history of the craft, like there was all of this arguing about whether or not things were right or appropriate. And a lot of this was like white people, like Gerald Gardner and Aleister Crowley, all of these like hoity-toity, oh, well, it has to be done this way. Or, like, I'm Gardnerian and I'm Alexandrian and we can't get along. But there were people out there just doing it. Yeah. Just doing it anyway. Yeah. And I I have the 2006 version of this book, which is revised, and it felt so personal to me because in the late 2000s, I was living that experience of having people be like, well, if you're not doing it this way, you're not Wiccan. If you're not initiated by a coven, you're not Wiccan. But Buckland had already published his book for years at that point. And Buckland's tradition, he very clearly, two years after he 
made a comment that like, oh, it has to be done a certain way. Very clearly, it's like, no, no, you can initiate yourself. This is a solitary practice. You can do whatever you want. Well, and he had written the book that he had made up of Anglo-Saxon witchcraft. So, I mean, he had all... He created a whole other tradition after being initiated into a Gardnerian yeah. tradition. So, so the idea that we've we waited so long that that it was two thousand and six or seven that people are still having these arguments about whether or not you can be Wiccan if you're not initiated by oh, a coven. Like I've had this conversation with people who tell me that you can't, that you absolutely it's you're not valid. That people you know, are going to look at you differently if you have a conversation with. Them. And it's like no. In twenty twenty, we are leaving that shit behind. Yes. Yeah. Brush it out the door. Yeah. yeah. And she even has a whole chapter on the validity of Wicca. The whole chapter on the validity of Wicca where she basically just says, it doesn't matter. Because Wicca is this decentralized, almost like anarchist religion mm-hmm. where having somebody in charge of you is not expected at best, you're going to have a high priestess, but your coven is still its own insular thing. Validity is irrelevant. Yeah. Wicca is very much this personal experience-based religion. But it comes back to something that I believe in. And this is going to sound terrible because, I, you know, we just finished saying you're valid. Yeah. But there are times, and you've seen me do it with people, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, okay, you're not even a witch. Like, I can't even deal with you right now. Mm-hmm. I think that the reason some people want to say you're not valid, I'm valid, is because if people enter any religion, not just this religion or this practice, if you don't want to even call it a religion, but people enter things sometimes for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's not because you're called to it, you're interested, you read something and went, this resonates with me, you were out in nature, you had a feeling and you went, what is this feeling? What is going on? Some people feel they have no power in their lives. They're in a bad marriage. They feel insignificant. They feel unheard. And the idea of the stereotype of the witch is a woman that is powerful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whether you think that she is, you know, the spawn of Satan or whether you think she's Wiccan or something in between. And people gravitate toward that sometimes because they want power. And then they turn around and go, you're not this. You're not that. Mm -hmm. And because I really, I have not met somebody who is really into this that has turned their nose at somebody who's like, I'm a solitary and I've just been trying to like learn. I've never heard somebody like who yeah. I've respected turn their nose up at someone like that. It's just like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, welcome. No, you're cool. I like, think one of the other problems you get is we also get this definition of like a feminist witch. And that is mm. sort of the using of the term witch as an empowerment, not necessarily as a religious practice. Right. Dianic Wicca kind of combines the two, but there are, Tons of women out there who are witches because they are women and they are living in their power. They're not actually doing spells. They're right. not actually doing magic. And I don't have a problem with that. But it there's a, a difficulty then in the validity of the word witch when you have the two different uses. I see what you're saying. I mean, I think I like the term witch and we've discussed why I like the term witch um, simply because I think it's more encompassing than mm-hmm. just saying Wiccan. I don't have a problem with somebody using that term, like you said, because they've come into their own power. But again, there are people. Yeah. And I think they're the ones that you've got the old guard that for whatever reason, they're as fanatical as some Christians. They won't let go of the Bible mm-hmm. and they don't want to see anybody, you know, do it a different way. They, they, they're the ones, they're the holders of the key and I'm not going to open the door for you. And I think you have other people that have come into this, you know, as a power trip. 
Yeah. And they learned something and now, you know, they've gotten into a coven. How dare you? Why would you, you know, think that you're as good as me because you're a solitary or because your coven isn't a traditional blah, blah, blah. It just, like, I still can't believe that in 2019 and hypothetically 2020, we're three days in, we'll see what happens. In 2019, there were people being like, oh yeah, solitaries aren't good enough. Like, I just... We both know somebody like that. I know, and it drives me crazy. And we don't talk to them anymore. And if you read Drawing Down the Moon, yeah. you will be completely validated and feel like you can do whatever you want. Well, I think so many of the books we've read. Yes, but we're talking about this one. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you read this one, you're right. Yeah, it's... It... Yeah. <laughs> just making mouth noises because of my distaste for but that But you know, concept. there's also a lot of BS in here, too. Um, she talks about this one person, Anderson... Um, who at nine years old came across this old woman, another myth, right? Comes across an old woman, knew instinctively what she was doing. So he took off his clothes. He had sex with her and she initiated him. And I'm going, okay, pedophilia, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, why are these myths? Why do we still have so many myths in Wicca about people having sex with other people? Like, Didn't somebody have sex with their grandmother or something like that? Yeah. Like, what the holy Oh, Bonewitz had a whole thing about it, how he's like, orgies are yeah. bullshit. Any, any story that has an orgy in it... Yeah. Is bullshit. Yeah. And on the one hand, like, no, unfortunately, people had orgies all the time. Um, but yeah, it there's a... The deep connection between Wicca and sex is, is something that never sat right with me. It's yeah. one of the reasons why I never ended up becoming Wiccan. Yeah. Um, I, I get it. I can understand religiously how the sex is important, the relationship between the god and the goddess, the idea of, I get that. It does strike me as very weird how often witches or, or Wiccans and Wiccan writers especially have weird sex stories that they work into their mythology. Listen, I know somebody who told me that this person, this person they were learning from, this teacher, he wasn't initiated into a coven, it was just like a teacher. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, he told me that if I was interested in sex magic, that he would show me. And I said, oh, my God, like, what, are you listening to yourself? Like, are you really, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And he was like, yeah, but I don't know. I think, like, I I might. And I was like, I don't think this, this doesn't sound right. This sounds weird. This is your teacher. Like, this, the whole thing is just bizarre. And the teacher wound up canceling the whole thing. (laughs) He didn't. The other guy did. Um, all right. Like, you know, suit yourself. I mean, you don't take sex, sex magic um, lightly. And the idea that somebody, that's, that's like, I don't know. Be, it's predatory. It, yeah. that's, that's like, Let's just, let, let's that's just be real. It's predatory. It's predatory. And it was just bizarro to me. Um, it concerns me that, I, I mean, when we talked about Crowley and we talked about Gardner, they both were predatory. So it concerns me deeply that built into the religion is this ability for predation. Um, It does. It makes me feel like every religion has to have like a sordid past that you have to get past. Yeah. Like Christianity has a ton of bullshit. Well, let's face it. It's created by people. Yeah. And And people suck. Yeah. So, you know... (laughs) You're going to find things. Here's a couple of interesting things that she writes about. She says, Gardner's Book of Shadows, up until 1954, all the ritual, rituals were adapted from Kabbalistic procedures uh, of the Greater Key of Solomon. 
there was no mention of the goddess. In his Book of Shadows of 1954, there was no mention of the goddess. Now, supposedly, when Doreen Valiente became the first Gardnerian priestess, which she says she was not the first priestess, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, she began to adopt Robert Graves' white goddess myth into the coven and into the writings. Now, she was interviewed later on in 1985, and she says, oh, that is false, that she did not create all this stuff, that um, she wasn't the first priestess. I think she was protecting Gardner. I think she was... I wouldn't be surprised. You know. But it does make it sound really cool that maybe Doreen Valiente was actually the originator of Wicca. Like, it would be really nice if a woman... She's also... No, she's also terrible. They're all terrible. The whole starting guard was shit. But it would be nice for a woman to be shit versus a man. Well, I think we we have that. I mean, for as much as Gardner is the guy, I think a lot of people turn to people like Valiente. Yeah, but when you look up the Wikipedia page, Gardner is the father of Wicca. Okay. And let's be real about how many 13-year-olds are looking up the Wikipedia pages for Wicca. Well, and let's just think of it this way. Didn't Zeus kill his dad? Zeus did a lot of shit. So we can kill Gardner and just move <laughs> yeah, on. Goodbye. Okay, it's over. Um, <laughs> the primary craft tradition is creativity. She love that. Say, which I love. I also love a quote by Valente that says, she's asked what a witch is. And she says, it isn't what people know. It's what they are. And I think that's a good kick in the ass to all the people who are like, oh, no, no, you have to be initiated and you have to know this and you have to know that. No, it's what you are. It's what you are on a day-to-day basis. It's also a great kick in the ass to people like us who um, are reading books all the time and who sometimes need to be <laughs> reminded, reading. like, go go do some shit. Like, yeah. Go do a spell or we, something. We do stuff. Yeah, but every once in a while I need yeah. to be reminded. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I need to. But, but I think that books, I don't know, I'm fascinated by books, so I, I'm, you know... I agree. Yeah. But it's nice to be reminded you got to do stuff. She, uh, Adler, I think, wrote this. I quoted it, but I didn't write who wrote it. Okay. The craft is the yoga of the West. Yeah. I love that because I think the closest thing that I ever feel to spell work is when I'm in a yoga class. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I have a, one of the yoga teachers, I'm obsessed with her. She always tells us to put energy out of our fingertips yes to help hold your arms up yeah and it's it's a really surreal experience when you're used to like doing magic and then you do something like that and you're like oh shit it works in real life too (laughs) it works in regular situations oh my god it just it it everybody take a yoga class i don't know it's great it's a nice zen experience so basically she's telling us don't get hung up on lineage yeah. Because it's all made up. It's all made up. And then she, well, in the 2006 version, she gives us 12 different traditions. Yes. Um, I love this uh, this idea that tradition is like a flavor. It's like the sazon. Sazon. Sazon, right on top. Way but back. it's not like, it's not a big deal. No. This is just what your options are. There are a lot more traditions than I knew about. Yeah. Like, I, I'm going to list them for everybody. Okay, go ahead. So that they can, we've got Gardnerian. We've got Alexandrian, started by Alex Sanders, mm-hmm. with a very interesting story about Maxine. Yeah. Um, okay, that was really bizarre. It was truly the most bizarre. About initiating that girl, let's call her Jane. Isn't that what she said? Like, yes, let's, let's call, call her Jane. Jane. Uh, to protect her. It, it was, God, I thought the girl was going to get raped or something. It the was, was the way that, yeah. I mean, they didn't, she was coming to be initiated, and Adler was invited to go. 
So she says she shows up, she takes off her clothes because they work sky clad. Mm-hmm. And there was a girl there who was taking off her clothes and very nervous saying she was being initiated. And then when they came outside, there was no priestess to initiate her. And Maxine wouldn't do it. So she wanted Adler to do it. And she goes, but I'm visiting and my tradition's different. Yeah. Meanwhile, the girl is bound and naked. And right there listening to the whole story. You know, and that's the kind of stuff that makes me sad. Like, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you run at that point? Like, at that point, I'm thinking this is not organized this is supposed to be, but the girl was happy at the yeah, end. Yeah, the end of the story is really wholesome because Which, Jane is like, has had this experience within herself that transcended the bullshit. Which, good for you, Jane, you deserved that. But still. But I would have been gone. Yeah, I would have been gone. I would have been gone. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was very, anyway, go ahead. So we've just, got, you know, so we had Alexandria. Yeah, was, you should read it. You should read the book. You read that read section. That it's section. so silly. Yeah. Uh, you got 1734, which is Cochrane. Right. And supposedly the numbers um, have something to do with the goddess. Yeah. It sounded cool. Yeah. Might be something I look into at a later point. Yeah. You've got Greencraft, which is Alexandrian-based. Um, I like the name. <laughs> I looked at it and I went, yeah, this is nice. Yeah. You've got Georgian, which is started by George Patterson. You then have Nurugd, which is the new reformed... Orthodox Order of the Golden Dawn. Yeah. It's always abbreviated as N-R-O-O-G-D. I'm so fascinated by the Golden Dawn. Like, I, I don't want to join, but Never, I, just, yeah. I just want to know more. Always. Be- I really like learning about, like, ceremonial magic because yeah. it's so bonkers to me sometimes. I love the idea of, like, really leaning into the aesthetic, and they, they did that. Black I'm, robes, the whole nine yards. I wonder if I could ever convince my mom to tell me what goes on with the Freemasons. She, pro- she probably would, but she probably would tell me I couldn't talk about it. Which is fine. Yeah. You'd know. Yeah. That's what matters. I could tell you, like, off the podcast. Oh, yeah. She's not going to tell me. I'm going to have to wait till she's, like, I don't know. I should make her write it down say, when you die. Oh, my God. Like a memoir? Yeah. But it's all- Ooh, I love this. I want to know what goes on. I want to know what goes on. Yeah. We're- Everybody cross your fingers for us that we get to find out at some point. Yeah. We've got the fairy tradition, which is fairy, started yeah. by Victor Anderson. We've got Reclaiming, which I didn't realize when we read Starhawk was what Starhawk was doing. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that that was a separate thing. You've got Dianic, which is the Budapest. You've got Minoan, which is a Cretan Aegean thing, which had I only known that there was a Greek Wicca (laughs) that I could have just dived right into. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this man's name because it's... Like, B-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. And then you have the School of Wicca, which is started by the Frosts, and that is the monotheistic one. Um, the Frosts didn't get really good press as Wiccans. No. They, she had an interview with them. They seemed like normal people, but not great press. Monotheism really doesn't help. They've got a website. You can like take classes with them or something like that. You should check it out. It's kind of weird. Oh, I, I absolutely you, Gemini, I don't mean, I'm not recommending it to the... You guys don't have... I'll do it you for can, you. but it's just... Yeah. So here's one thing that she says while you're looking for that. Yes. That I really liked. She says... Um, well, she has a whole chapter on the craft today, validity. Yes. And in it, she says, Wicca, at its best, is the most flexible and adaptable of religions, since it is perfectly willing to throw out dogma and rely on these types of experiences alone. And I thought, there we go. I agree completely. Yeah. And that actually helped me figure out what I was looking for. Okay. Because in that chapter as well, there's yeah. this talk about how 
especially in America, people kept trying to come together to make rules Mm -hmm. for Wicca. And we've talked about the American Council of Witches because that was in Buckland's work. Um, But they ended up basically going defunct very quickly. And then you get the Covenant of the Goddess in San Francisco, California area, I want to say. And their rules were basically, we all are just like real chill and you don't charge for classes and uh, that's it. And I was like, that's a great way to make rules. To basically be like, we're all bound by the laws of the craft, whatever those laws may be. Right. Now, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because when I read that, I thought, ooh, charging for classes is a big thing now. I I liked it. When I read it, I was like, it makes sense. Like, you shouldn't shouldn't charge for classes. See, but here we go again with intent. Okay. Yeah. And... Right now, if you have knowledge and people come to you and they know you and they're like, can you teach me? You could say yes to a person and say, yeah, absolutely. Let me help you out. You have 10 people. Yeah. And sometimes the best way to weed out the people who are just cuckoo is to just say, I'm going to charge you. Yeah. I think it's I think it's different. Um, so, like, I kind of agree. I don't think this is something you should charge for. And I don't think it's something that should be readily readily available in a class setting for people. I do think that cuckoos show up. Mm-hmm. Um, one way that people, Santeria, do to be made, Bajar el Santo, um, is a process to be initiated and to have this done and to figure out who is your saint, mm-hmm. right? Like who is your god or goddess. Right. And people charge money for it. And I was speaking to a Santero in the Bronx. He's passed away. And I decided to have him do a reading for me. Mm-hmm. So he's doing a reading for me. And he looked at me at one point and he said, the Orishas love you. They, they want you to work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do this for you. And I thought, here comes the price. He goes, for free. They're telling me to do it for free. And I said, thank you. But I've chosen my path and this is not the path mm-hmm. that I'm going to go down. I don't know if, and I'm not saying I'm special. I think there are a lot of people who come to things pure of heart. I mm-hmm. want to learn. And I think that that's possibly why on an individual basis, he said to me, they're telling me for free. Yeah. And I think that on an individual basis, I think that any witch who can show you will do it as well. I think the problem comes when you see these classes and they're filled to the max. All these people, all of a sudden, like... I just, I think that half of them probably shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they need to get help before they can find themselves. Do you know what would be so great? What? To all of the people, especially in the lower Hudson Valley oh, that I'm are scared. giving classes. Say. Oh, okay. You should just suggest that they listen to season one of the Witch Based podcast before they join your classes. Because we talk all about the texts that a Wiccan should know before they start really their practice. I don't know if people are going to like us saying that, though. I'm not saying don't charge them. I'm saying just, like, just casually suggest that they listen to us. Shameless plug. Please listen to our podcast. <laughs> Actually, charge them money to listen to our podcast. Have showings in your shops. I would love that. I wouldn't be bad at all if somebody charged to do, like, a like a movie theater version of Witch Face. Like, oh, we're going to be playing season one, episode two. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
So coming back to reality. <laughs> a girl can dream. Yeah. So what were we saying? Uh, we were saying that this is a damn good book. And that um, the craft is a lifestyle. Yeah. Not necessarily even a practice. That it's a way that you live your life. Which yeah. I think is a cool way to, to describe it. Which comes back to yoga. The idea of like living your life yeah. a certain way. So I like, like that aligned. too. Like aligned. Yeah. And to trust yourself. You know, trust yourself to know what it is you want to do, what you want to follow. Um, I've got a couple other quotes that I thought were really good. Yes. One is, um, Bonewitz has a book called Real Magic. And in it, she says that he states, the only real difference between magic and science is that magic is an art. Yeah. Um, As a scientist, I agree with that. So, you know, and, and she said it here. It's just a matter of time before science can catch up to and explain what it is we do. Yes. I don't know where I read this. Yeah. I don't think it was in this book. It wasn't this. I, it was in here, wasn't it? Where am I getting that from? No, 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 no. Oh. The thing that I, I was reading about a book from like the 1300s. It was like a bone book. It was like a doctor's book from like ye olden times. And there was um, there was a recipe for removing a boil. And it was eggshells and honey and something else. And you were supposed to scrub it onto the boil for the length of two Our Fathers. And when people originally were reading these books, they thought that it was, like, mystical. That saying the Our Father was supposed to call down, you know, God's blessing upon and help. No, it was counting time. Right. like The eggshells were to abrade the skin. The honey was an antibacterial. The other ingredients were to help decrease the size and the inflammation of the boil, and the Our Father was the amount of time that you are supposed to scrub for. Just like you, you sing happy birthday when you're washing your hands. Yes. It's just a way to, yeah, exactly. And so I can't help but think that someday we're going to get to a point where science validates magic in the same way, where it's just like people knew that it was right, but we didn't have the language to describe it, and that's why we did to Our Fathers while scrubbing our boil with eggshells. Right. I mean, I tell people all the time when they're atheists, I tell them it's just a matter of time before science tells us what, quote unquote, God is. Yeah. You know, whatever this energy source is, there's going to become a time that scientists are going to figure it out. Between math and science, we're going to figure out everything that we can't explain now. And like, this is a hot take, I guess, but atheists, I count them as a religion because they just revere science. Science Mm -hmm. is God. Oh, I also like that she says, there is no sixth sense. Oh, yeah. It's about developing the five senses to mm-hmm. the point where you can intuit more things. Yes. There's no sixth sense. It's not magic. It's just really being in tune with what you have and who you are. Intuition is knowing a lot of stuff and then being able to put that into use. Yeah. Which technically means we can all work on our intuition. We can get better at intuiting things. Right. Paying right. attention to our senses. The five we have. We don't yeah. need another one. I also like what she says about divination. Divination is a process by which the conscious and unconscious minds of a particular person cooperate to draw relevant information out of chaos to answer a question posed. I agree completely. You know, it's like when you start looking at it this way, and I love that she does this, it's not so sexy anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I think the best thing that Tarot and Lenormand and and especially Cardamancy can do for its image is to be less sexy. Yeah. Right? I think it's bad for people who sell card readings 
Um, but I think it's good for cardamancy because it's, it's not like, it looks really sexy. When you do it, it's like, ooh, wow, magic. But it's just looking at archetypes and, and understanding what those things mean. It's like every time I do a card reading for someone, I always explain every card is available to every person at every point in their life. Mm -hmm. This, I'm just reading the coincidence. Sometimes it's the Rat King and then it's different. But for, for my regular decks, I'm just reading the coincidence. I'm reading what has come at this moment. The next moment could be a completely different spread. Yeah. And anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. You know, when people say to me, oh, wow, you know, like, how did you charge this candle? Or I can't believe... You want me to show you? Like, <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> I'll just, you know, and I have friends who are not interested. They just want me to do it and mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. But if somebody were to say to me, like, you just, I'll show you, like, yeah. anybody can do this. We're not, we're not, we're all special. I was going to say we're not special, but you know what? We're all We're all special. special. So, and some people are better at some things than others. I mean, hey, you know, I do candles, but there's one, for me, there's one queen. Yeah. And, you know, if I want something done, sometimes I'm like, you know, I could do it. But I'm not going to. But I think I'm going to just get this candle made. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think that's that's all I had. I mean, she's got more stuff, um, other chapters, you know, other sections about other neo-pagans, the material plane. And then she's got a wonderful appendix where she talks about other writers, resources, notes. Now, you know, it's not really updated anymore, but yeah. I, I still think it's it's worth a shot to look at it. This is a great book. This is the book that I think every witch needs to have, along with some of the others we've mentioned. I think especially if you're having a hard time with the idea of the validity of Wicca, with the idea of, am I allowed to be a solitary practitioner? Do I have to be a part of a coven? What are the rules? I think this is a great book to deal with that because I think it really grounds you in the history of the religion. There is definitely talk about the theology, about the magic, but it's all very much grounded in what has happened. Where did we come from? Where are we going? And it gives you a really great footing when you are in a place where it's like, all right, I'm doing things, but am I allowed to do them? This book is going to tell you yes. I also think it's good if you're already Wiccan, just to remind you, when you get stuck in your ways and saying, okay, I have to do this. All right, first of all, the stories are myths. It's all based on archetypes. Everything's made up. Why don't we just face that and move on? Yeah. And and build and create. And let's really have Wicca grow and other pagan practices grow. Let's see where it's going to take us this next decade. You know? It brings me this <laughs> It brings me to the image of Jesus in the desert um when he meets the devil. Because that Obviously didn't happen, right? Jesus right. never met the devil. The devil is not... Exist. He, even in the Christian mind, doesn't exist in the way that Jesus is supposed to have existed. Right. And I think everybody in hearing that story can recognize that it is a story. And so this gives you the, the ability to then in Wicca go, all right, some of these are also stories. Right. And we've said it before. Think about the time and place that these people were writing and then ask yourself, does this fit us now? Some things might, some things might not. This was a great book. This was a great book. Yeah. This is why, you know, it's funny because 
we actually talked about this idea of do we keep going pseudo chronologically mm-hmm. or do we jump to the, the present? Because so many of the books we were reading were kind of like, not aggravating us, but it's like... But aggravating oh me. God. Yeah, aggravating. <laughs> um, and I think this was a, a clear example of why we have to keep going. Yeah. This way, just to see the evolution and to see that even somebody in 1979, even though it was, you know, revamped, still had the ideas that we have now. And yeah. not everybody was, you know, bowing down to Gardner and saying there's only one way or two ways to do this. Mm-hmm. We are going to move around a little bit because we are going to put some Hellenic content into our reading calendar. Which means we're going back. We're not going forward. We're going into a weird nebulous place. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, because the book it's back, reading, but it's... It's not because it's a modern interpretation or modern reading or writing. I'm really excited about it. Um, I've talked a lot about how much Bullfinches was essential to me in finding my religion. And right. so we're going to take a look at Bullfinches on our next full moon in February. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. And for our new moon. Oh, super excited for this. We have Amy Wilson, the proprietress of Otherworldly Waxes and Whatever, the candle goddess. Um, True queen. Yeah. Um, she's, we're going to interview her. So she's going to be talking to us here about all things about her shop, about her markets. Um and if you have any questions that you want us to ask her, you can send them to us, uh, DM us on Instagram at whichspaceco, or you could send an email, whichspaceco at gmail.com. Awesome. And, you know, something we didn't talk about was for the finale last season, we had some guest voices We on did. There. And people keep asking if anybody else will come on the podcast from the coven. That's it. That's what you get. But you know what I thought was interesting when we recorded that? Mm-hmm. So we've been trying to get people on the podcast. Nobody else wants to do this. Okay, fine. But then that day, people were here. We were mm-hmm. getting together. And all you said to them was, come here. Say this. Okay, say that. And they did it. And I'm like, wait, do we have to just like... Just tell them? Just tell them. like, okay, Just sit here and talk. We might try that. I think we should just try that. I love it. One time. Because that was way too easy. They didn't even like give us looks or go, oh, I don't want I want it. Nothing. It was just, all right, what do you want us to say? So, so if we can con the rest of which so we're doing. We're into being people. on this show. <laughs> that would be wonderful. That would be Everybody good. cross your fingers for us. Because yeah. I actually liked it. I thought that was that was really nice. Although, you know, they were like on my lines. That's true. I don't, you know. So let's not make that a regular thing. I kind of like just know, Just finales. Just me. Yeah, just finales. Maybe. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Sean McShane for the great music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. <laughs>